Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hey, hey, we're back with the latest episode of the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. Hopefully you can hear me okay, fiddling around with my microphone here. Uh, I am Rob Howe uh, from Parts Unknown and recording This mailbag podcast on Wednesday, January the 6th, 2021, getting to my, uh, hopping onto my Twitter here to get to your questions for the mailbag. Let's see here. I think I had one last night from somebody who did not use the hashtag. Let's see if I can find that one. But anyway, uh, we have, uh, Big Ten basketball coming up again tomorrow night, uh, Thursday, January the 7th. The Hawkeyes, fifth-ranked Hawkeyes, will be playing at Maryland. Uh, and then sun thir- Sunday at 1.30 p.m. tip at Carver Hawkeye Arena for the rematch with Minnesota, who beat Iowa on Christmas Day uh, up in Minneapolis. So I will be looking to get revenge there. So... Potentially two wins for the Hawkeyes this week in a fight for um, the Big Ten title, that currently three and one in the league. Uh, kind of see how things, big week for Iowa, but they're all big at this point when you're trying to f- win a Big Ten championship. Not sure I got any uh, Big Ten basketball questions or Iowa basketball questions this week. So let's start with Scott Felbush, and he is the individual who did not, and that's at S. Felbush. On Twitter, he did not use the hashtag, uh, but I appreciate you checking in, Scott. And he just says, 2022 recruiting overview. Uh, He doesn't have a question mark there, but uh, I'm assuming he is asking what the 2022 Iowa football recruiting class looks like. Um, And what it looks like right now is Austin Graves, the in-state defensive lineman, uh, is Iowa's only verbal commitment. We talked about this. I believe it was last week's mailbag or perhaps the mailbag before. Uh, Not really out of whack right now that Iowa only has one commitment or one pledge in the 2022 recruiting class because, as we all know, this has been a bizarre year uh, in recruiting with the dead period that started in March and goes through this March, I believe, or at least February. So not a lot of ability to, uh, to recruit, but Aaron Graves is a four-star defensive end um, from Southeast Valley in Gallery, Iowa. Uh, good pickup for Iowa there. He's a kid that's continually rising up. He is the 99th ranked player overall, regardless of position in the 2022 class. 
Uh, he is the eighth ranked defensive end, strong side defensive end in the class. And he is the number two ranked player in the state behind Xavier Wanpa, who uh, in the 2022 class, I should say. And he, um, this is a good class in 2022 in state as well. Xavier Wampa trimmed his list down to 12, uh, believe last week, maybe New Year's Day. Uh, I may have lost track of that, but I'm going to pull that up here uh, to see what the 12 were. It was um, Iowa and Iowa State both made his 12, and he is the number one ranked player in the state. Uh, he also has uh, Penn State, Texas, Notre Dame, LSU, Ohio State, Nebraska, Missouri, Clemson, Wisconsin, and Arizona State in his top 12. And he is obviously no disrespect to Aaron Graves or anybody else. He is the crown jewel in this in-state class. He is from Southeast Polk. Uh, safety from Southeast Polk helped uh, the Rams reach the state championship game where they fell to uh, champion Ankeny who has two uh, Iowa commits in the 2021 class, uh, Arnold Bruce IV and Brody Brecht, the pair of receivers coming in that are signed last month. Um, looking at the rest of the in-state class, um, Iowa has also offered Hunter Deo. Uh, he is a defensive tackle out of Council Bluffs, Lewis Central. Uh, he, has, he has offers from... Iowa, Arkansas, Iowa State, Kansas State, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. He is a defensive tackle in the 2022 class. Really good prospect. See how Iowa ends there. Um, looking at uh, Will McLaughlin. Um, he is a outside linebacker from Harlan who has an Iowa offer. Uh, Eli Raritan, a tight end of the West Des Moines Valley, who has an Iowa offer. Uh, and Eli has offers from uh, Florida State, Indiana, Iowa State, Kansas State, Michigan State, Purdue, Virginia, and West Virginia. Uh, highly regarded tight end. It'll be interesting to see. Saw a recent, um, it was either on Instagram or Twitter on his social media of him dunking the basketball and he was wearing an Iowa shirt, an Iowa Hawkeye shirt. So maybe that will uh, bode well for the Hawkeyes. Uh, Jacob Imming is an inside linebacker uh, from Sergeant Bluff Luton High School. Uh, he has offers from Iowa, Iowa State, Kansas State, and Nebraska. So we saw 2021 be a very good class uh, for uh, Iowa the state of Iowa high school wise uh, in terms of football recruits. And I, this 2022 class is really good too. Uh, I just named, uh, you know, six guys that have Iowa offers. Graves is the one who has committed to this point. Jackson Daly is a quarterback out of Southeast Polk who has offers from Michigan and others. Gabe Burkle, a tight end out of Cedar Rapids Prairie, who Iowa is interested in, who and who already has offers from Iowa State, Kansas State, Michigan State, and Minnesota. A uh, guy to keep an eye on. That's uh, Gabe Burkle, excuse me, out of Cedar Rapids Prairie. Um, let's see here. Uh, you have 
Spurston Budenhagen, I believe, is an offensive tackle out of uh, Clark High School in Osceola. Uh, he already has offers from Iowa State and Nebraska. Um, Corey Phillips is a tight end out of Ames, uh, has an offer from Kansas and Central Florida, um, and the list goes on. They're pretty good, uh, pretty good uh, group of prospects in the 2022 class in the state of Iowa. Uh, and then beyond that, Iowa, it's going to be interesting for Iowa because Iowa depends and counts a lot on getting players and prospects on campus when they're from out of state. So it will be interesting to see what Iowa is able to do uh, in that regard moving forward here as the pandemic hopefully tapers down and, and kids can take visits to campus. Uh, Arlen Harris was a running back at a St. Louis who Iowa targeted heavily as did a lot of programs around the country. And he ended up uh, announcing his commitment to Stanford last month. Um, he was a guy who uh, you look at Javon Tracy, Tyrone Tracy's uh, younger brother, uh, receiver out of Indianapolis has an Iowa offer. Uh, interesting to see kind of what happens with him. You're looking at um, prospects in the Omaha area, particularly Belleville West High School. Uh, Michael Riley is a tight end out of there. Uh, Caden Helms is a tight end out of there. These guys are in the 22 class, guys that Iowa. Emil Wagner, an offensive tackle from uh, Huber Heights, Ohio. If the last name sounds familiar, that's Ahmad Wagner's younger brother. Uh, he has an Iowa offer. Uh, Billy Schroff uh, from Wisconsin. Uh, is another guy who I was – the list goes on and on. There are a lot of guys that I was still uh, in on uh, in that 2022 class because there have been reduced amount of commitments just in terms of what the normal schedule is of commitments. Uh, Joshua Burnham is a guy, a linebacker out of Michigan, uh, is another name to keep an eye on. He's visited here already, uh, so he has – uh, a background with Iowa. Uh, Christian Stokes, a safety out of Michigan, uh, who I believe released his top six, maybe, or seven. I can't remember the exact number earlier this week. Uh, and Iowa was in there. Um, so there are uh, quite a few guys uh, in this 2022 class who I think Iowa sits pretty well with. It's just going to be a matter uh, Makai Miller, a wide receiver at Overland Park, uh, Kansas, I believe who's visited here. I mean, I, I don't hold me to that, but he's a guy um, who Iowa is looking at. J Joe Bruner, uh, offensive tackle out of Whitefish Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, just throwing some names out here, but those are guys that I know that I've been in contact with or I've seen that consider I are considering Iowa hold high Iowa in high regard. So some names to keep an eye on, but we're going to learn a lot here in the next, I would say four to six months as we go forward here and, and what we see in recruiting in terms of, you know, the pandemic and what is allowed in visit wise and kind of where recruiting the recruiting landscape goes here. So appreciate that, that, uh, that, that question, Scott, and hopefully we have more, answers for you moving forward here uh, as things unfold.
Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Ba, 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 ba. E at NBA underscore fan underscore 2014, uh, who is a um, regular contributor to the email podcast. Do you think Iowa wrestling will make it to the Big Ten championship this year? Uh, will they make it there? That's a good question because we just don't know in the pandemic. Will they? I, I'm assuming you're asking, will they just, will they have the Big Ten championship? Okay, I get that. I'm looking at your second question. Will there even be a Big Ten championship? Uh, I think there will be, and I think Iowa will win it. Um, prohibitive favorite to win it, but it just, it's so hard to know right now with the pandemic. You know, what happens if you get to the Big Ten championship and the COVID hits? All th- I'm going to, I'm going to um, go out on the limb, risky, I know, but to assume that or at least for this exercise to say that the I'm not going to factor in the potential for positive COVID cases sidelining wrestlers uh, a wrestler or multiple wrestlers for the Big Ten and national championships I like Iowa's chances at both the conference at regular season conference postseason and then NCAA tournament, I think Iowa is a heavy, heavy favorite to um, to take the top prizes at all of those, uh, led by two-time national champion Spencer Lee, who will go for three and potentially could go for four if he comes back next year, which uh, I think at some point, if he wins the third, he will come back to try to win the fourth. Uh, and then he also has Olympic aspirations as well. Hopefully Tokyo happens in 2021, but that's all stuff that's far down the road that is going to be hard to predict. He also asked, will Garza win the John Wonder Award or who do you think will win it? I do think Garza is going to be, I don't, it's hard to say that he, there are so many national player of the year awards the main ones I think are going to go to Garza, uh, barring some unforeseen collapse by Iowa as a team or him as a player, which I am not going to predict. Uh, but I will tell you that Garza is the prohibitive favorite, like Iowa wrestling is the prohibitive favorite to take the top prize. Um, and then he came back with another question. I'll hit on that now uh, before I move on to other questions. Do you think colleges will eventually create their own streaming subscription options for athletics instead of using the conference options like the Big Ten Plus? I could see that happening at certain colleges that are big enough to be able to do that, but I think uh, in terms of just locally, Iowa benefits too much from the platform of the Big Ten. I think you could do it with Ohio State Penn State, Michigan, they could probably, um, they could benefit probably from their own platforms. But even then, I'm not sure they make as much as being on that Big Ten uh, plus a Big Ten network. And I know it's frustrating because I go to watch Iowa women's basketball. I don't have Big Ten plus. I go to watch Iowa women's basketball. It's on Big Ten plus. I haven't been able to see it this year. Um, They do have some games coming up 
that will be on regular stream of the Big Ten Network. Thankfully, if you're a Big Ten Network subscriber or you have it on your cable or satellite or streaming service, you'll be able to watch it on there. Uh, but I, I don't see, I mean, you never say never, but I think the Big Ten Network and its streaming platform right now is beneficial for the conference and its members overall. They they chop up the revenue from that equally between all the schools. So, you know, Iowa might be better off than say, you know, a Rutgers wanting to have its own streaming service. But I think being included with Ohio State and Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, what have you, Wisconsin, all of those, especially with the lower population in Iowa, I think it benefits Iowa to be part of that overall umbrella of the Big Ten network and the Big Ten streaming service. So I don't see that changing, but who knows where the future goes with streaming services and uh, how we consume or are presented with our college athletics moving forward. Thank you for the questions, E. As always, I appreciate it. Uh, sit down at Love the Hawks, another uh, regular contributor to the, to the uh, Hawkeye, Hawk Fanatic Mailbag podcast, asks, with recent announcements of players leaving, who from this last recruiting cycle do you think can make an impact day one? one on offense and one on defense. I'm going to say, I'm going to, um, since um, the last recruiting cycle, do you mean 2020 or this, or the guys that signed last month in 2021? Uh, I, I don't have time to reach back out to you to clarify that. So I'll go and let me just kind of look at both. Um, for the 2020 class, which are guys that are already on campus and um, are uh, true freshmen right now and, and have had the fall uh, to kind of get acclimated to campus and the program, although it was kind of goofy, I'll throw out, well, we already saw Tory Taylor. So my guess is you're talking more about 2021 but a couple guys on the 2020 that I would look for, um, maybe emerging a little bit. I think you look at uh, Jay Higgins at linebacker is somebody. Yahweh Black at defensive line is somebody to keep an eye on. Logan Jones as well on the defensive line is somebody to keep an eye on. Uh, Elijah Yelverton and Luke Lachey at tight end are, are guys to keep an eye on. Um, and potentially guys like Reginald Bracey and A.J. Lawson in the secondary. Mason Richmond on the offensive line. You look at LaShawn Williams and Gavin Williams at running back. No, I'm giving you a lot of names, but I think there are going to be opportunities for some of that 2020 class to come in and be contributors next year. But I think you're talking more about 2021 being as we saw some contributions from the freshmen in this most recent class of 2020. If we're looking ahead to 21, I think there are opportunities at receiver. Uh, Brody Breck to Arlen Bruce, uh, Keegan Johnson at that spot moving forward. I think those, so if I'm going offense, I'm probably going to look at receiver and out of that group, I think Keegan Johnson might be it's tough because tough I think Brody Breck and Arlen Bruce are also uh, guys that can contribute right away. And you look at what's lost 
with the big receiver in Brandon Smith and Brody Breck fills that big receiver need, but is he ready right away at that position? Iowa hasn't through the years had a lot of, you know, major contributions from that position. So, and, and with uh, Tyrone Tracy and Nico Regani coming back uh, along with some guys that were already on the roster, uh, you know, the guys like Kovan Matthews and, and Devontae Vines that came in, Desmond Hudson, they could, could uh, you know, could uh, step up and, and contribute pretty quickly at that position. I'm going to, on the defensive, on the offensive side of the ball, I'll go with Keegan Johnson. And on the defensive side of the ball, that's tough. I am going to say Justice Sullivan. Uh, I think he's a guy it's tough on the defensive line to come in and play right away, but I really like his potential um, as somebody who might be able to come in and contribute Jeremiah Pittman too. I think that I'm looking at positions where there are the biggest losses. And I think those are positions uh, of biggest need coming in right away. And the offensive line group is so good that you wouldn't want to just, you know, discount it but also there's a lot coming back on the offensive line. So it might be harder to break through there. Cooper Dijon is a guy who I think is, could really help maybe in a special teams capacity. Um, the secondary is, is pretty veteran at this point, unless Hank, if Hankins goes pro, there's a spot there. We have Xavier Williams coming in too. So I'm not sure the opportunity is there. So I will, um, I kind of work through this exercise, you know, right now as I'm going through it. So it gives you kind of an indication of how much preparation I do before these podcasts uh, kind of outed myself there, but I'm going to say, I'm going to go with justice Sullivan on defense and Keegan Johnson on offense. And I reserve the right to change that those picks down, down the line, love the Hawks, but appreciate the, the contribution and the question uh, let's see here. Schaefer wellness at simplified rehab on Twitter. Another regular contributor to the podcast. Will the Iowa coaching staff stay intact for next year. How do you evaluate the job Brian Ferentz has done so far? I think Brian Ferentz has improved every year. I do. I think it's fair to say that from a play caller perspective and just kind of figuring out and getting his legs under him, no experience really much at all beforehand but I think he's improving next year will be the big. Um, I, I think the big uh, proving ground or uh, that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, it, the, 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 we'll learn the, the most about him next year because I'll have a veteran quarterback in Spencer Petrus. Does he go if Spencer's in, you know, inconsistent, does he make a quarterback change if need be? Um, you know, he's got – it's got to be more consistent. Iowa's offense got consistent after the first couple games this year. Can that continue next year? It needs to be consistent week to week next year. Um, but I would say I think Brian has gotten better every year as an offensive coordinator, um, but he has to still continue to, to keep advancing because, you know, you see – what's happened at Ohio state and Clemson and the top programs in this country. Um, the offense is the name of the game. Nick Saban realized that 
Iowa starting to come around to that and being more innovative on, on offense, but it's got to continue that trend. Can't get comfortable, can't completely rely on off our defense and special teams, uh, especially with some of the losses it suffered on defense. You know, we keep waiting. Oh no, the defense, you know, how is it going to be able to compensate for losses? Eventually that's going to catch up and Iowa's defense isn't going to be lights out. Maybe that's next year. Uh, I hope not, but you have to prepare for that. And the offense has to be able to carry this team at times. And we'll see if that happens moving forward. Um, and what was the, uh, will the Iowa coaching staff stay intact? It's a good question. I think a lot of these guys have, have earned their stripes, so to speak, you know, in this staff. I just don't know how much movement there's going to be because of the pandemic, if there's going to be a lot of movement in coaching, assistant coaching. Uh, I think Seth Wallace is a guy who could potentially move on. He's kind of stuck where he is right now behind Phil Parker. Phil Parker seems like he wants to coach for a while. As we talked about, Brian Ferentz, an offensive coordinator, you know, does a Tim Polishek look up, Polishek look to be a guy who moves up to, to be a coordinator again, as he did at North Dakota State. You know, is it do, you know, does somebody like Derek Foster or Kelton Copeland want to maybe advance their careers and move into a coordinator spot? It's hard to say. Uh, LeVar Woods is kind of settled in here. He seems like a guy uh, who, who is comfortable in his spot here. He's an Iowa guy. Uh, Kelvin Bell is a guy who I could see moving on maybe to be a coordinator somewhere, uh, even though he's, it's relatively new to him as a defensive line coach. It's just hard to know what opportunities are out there for these guys to move up. They feel like they're in a good spot here. Um, Kirk has said he wants to stay around for a while, uh, but I, it's, I, I think it'd be reasonable to think that over the next five years, we're going to see some change in this coaching staff. And, and if that happens this off season, I would not be surprised if I was picking one guy uh, to potentially move on. It would probably be Seth Wallace. Thank you for the question, Schaefer Wellness. Always appreciated. Dan Brockett at Freakademic on Twitter, another uh, regular contributor to the Mailbag Podcast. I really like the look of Justin Britt when he played in 2019. What are the odds he beats out shot for a guard spot? Or when and where do you see him breaking into the starting lineup? It's a good question, Dan. And I think the coaches are pretty high on Justin, as, as you are and I am as well. With Cole Bamwork leaving, I think he's in the rotation at least next year. You have, to me, you know, Linderbaum's obviously the center and he's going to take the reps there. But then you have Ince, Kyler Schott, Cody Ince, Kyler Schott, Justin Britt at those guard spots. Uh, we'll see what happens with Coy Cronk, Kalenberger, Jack Plum. I, I can see Kalenberger potentially moving over to left tackle with Plum manning the right tackle spot. Maybe Plum stays at left tackle and Kalenberger continues to play that right tackle spot. Um, but I think Brett, Justin Britt will definitely be in the rotation. Will he beat out Shotter Ince? Hard to say. He's got an all he's got all offseason to potentially do that. Um, I think they'll play the best front five. But we've seen now, Dan, that they're more than willing to rotate guys, not only at tackle, but at guard. I think center is pretty solid. I think Kalenberger is probably a guy who's going to play one of those tack tackle spots full time. And after that, we'll kind of see who the best five are. But I think, Jeff, I would, I would say there's a really good chance that Justin Britt 
who will be a third-year player uh, out of Indianapolis, Warren Central, uh, to find his way into the rotation. And there are other guys b- back there that are pushing, too. You've got Noah Fenske. Uh, you've got uh, – I, I can see his, his, his face. Uh, Tyler Andrus. Uh, you've got uh, guys that came in in this class – really highly recruited guys coming in in this next class. I think the, the competition on the offensive line is going to be really, really stiff this offseason. But I expect to see Justin Britt right in there in the mix for playing time. And I think he'll be a member of the rotation. That's just a prediction without much basis for that, being as I haven't seen these guys live uh, since, what, um, you know, from a practice perspective since last year. So we'll kind of see how that shakes out. Thank you for the question, Dan, as always. Um, uh, Alec Ahmed Johnson at Ahmed Johnson on Twitter asks, way too early question, but what true freshman do you see having a role on the team in 2021? This is kind of, this kind of hops into the question that was asked earlier by Love the Hawks. Um, true freshman, Again, I went through that list a little bit. I, it, I, I look more at where the openings, uh, Love the Hawks wanted me to pick one on each side. Um, but I, and, I, and I went with Justin Sullivan and, and Keegan Johnson. Um, and we'll see beyond that. I just, Cooper DeJean for me is a guy who saw, I was watching some video of him, courtside films had on, on Twitter of him dunking. And it's so effortless. And I know that doesn't mean that that's what's going to happen. Um, uh, you know, that that translates directly to him being able to play as a true freshman in football. But just that the athleticism um, reminds me a little bit of Kevon May- Merriweather, Tyler Sash type of athletes in that back end. Uh, I, I just, it'd be interesting to see if they, if they see enough from him, kind of like with, they did with Jack Campbell because you're going to have um, uh, uh, Jack Kerner, excuse me, I apologize, my, my, my brain froze there, but Jack Kerner's a senior next year at free safety. Dijon's a guy who may be ready to t- move into that spot the following year, maybe like Jack Campbell, when he was a true freshman, showed enough to be able to not redshirt him his true freshman year. Maybe you see that from a Cooper Dijon, a guy who you get his feet wet, maybe not a ton of reps, uh, you know, defensively, but on special teams, just kind of get him acclimated to being a starter in 2022. I could see that potentially happening. Uh, Similar with, you know, um, um, we talked about with the receivers, maybe Brody Brecht and, and Arlen Bruce. Maybe you see that on the offensive line with a David David Koff or a, a Bo Stevens or um, Connor Colby or Jennings Dunker. Maybe you get one of those guys kind of moving in uh, on an offensive line. But I think receiver and defensive backs are usually the positions you look at that are most likely to help right away. Uh, and Iowa has some good players coming in at those positions. Um, you know, we talked about the receivers. We talked about Cooper Dijon. We talked about um, – uh, we haven't talked about Zach Tweet, a guy uh, out of uh, 
Story City, Iowa, but he's coming back off a, a surgery, I believe, or, or an injury that kept him out this season. So we'll see how he recovers from that. So there's always surprises when in the freshman class, guys that you don't really expect to emerge right away that do. Um, so there's always to keep an eye on there. But I'm going to stick with Keegan Johnson and Justice Sullivan as my two guy, guy offense, guy defense, who I think can emerge. But again, I reserve the right to change that as we move forward here and I obtain more information. Uh, it looks like um, that is the last question in the queue for the Mailbag podcast. Um, again, we're recording this on Wednesday, January the 6th, 2021. I appreciate all the questions. I appreciate you guys listening and, you know, um, allowing me to do this every week. Great questions as always. Uh, we invite as many people as uh, as would like to contribute to this podcast. If you're listening now and haven't asked a question before and think, oh no, I'm going to forget when he asks again next week for questions, hashtag it. HF mail, hashtag HF mail, and I will locate those questions on Twitter. You can ask them whenever during the week. You don't have to wait until a given, you know, when, right when I'm going to record, you can ask whenever you like during the week. And I will ask though, I will answer. You can even make comments, something you want to up for discussion or whatever. We can discuss uh, whatever topic you like in Hawkeye athletics, recruiting, what have you. So thank you again for listening. Thanks again for the questions. And we will talk to you folks soon. Rob Howe here, back with uh, another backer to cracker tip of the week with Mike Humple from Humple Chiropractic in North Liberty. What do you have for this us this week, Mike? Rob, today we're talking about youth sports injury and the risks associated, um, two major risk factors for injury in youth sports. Number one, may or may not have heard of it, specialization. What does that mean? It's our son or daughter that, or that, that young athlete is doing one sport, one sport year round, or maybe they're doing two sports, uh, but primarily they're just doing the same sport um, year round, training for the same sport. You know, you just imagine a, a, a baseball player. Of course, you got to throw to increase your arm strength, right? But they're always throwing, always throwing, always pitching, playing, you know, tons of games. Sooner or later, that's going to catch up to them, and they may start having elbow problems. And what you call that's usually from an overuse injury, right? They're not getting, because they're specializing in a sport, they're not getting, it's, it's very important, they're not getting the time off and the rest that they need and require to give their body, their growing bodies, their changing bodies, a chance to grow and heal and stay healthy. Okay, so if you are specializing or having your son or daughter specializing in a sport, make sure you are working time in, ample, appropriate time off. Um, you know, it's not just a day here or a day there. I mean, you're talking week, two weeks, um, maybe a month for them to uh, get time off and rest and recover, okay? And periodically throughout the whole calendar year. Uh, secondly, professionalism. So younger athletes today are, are training more and more like professional athletes at a younger age. They're doing more complicated lifts, more complicated movements that require a lot of coordination, strength, those kinds of things. So it's important to keep it basic, stick to the fundamental movements, 
make sure they're able to perform them before you start adding weight, those kinds of things. And, um, you know, keep, keep it fun. And those two things, specialization and professionalism in youth sports are two major risk factors for injury in, in youth sports. So pay attention to them. The kids are themselves probably aren't going to pick up on them. So it's going to be our job as parents, as adults, coaches, to watch for these things and, and put mechanisms in place to control for these factors. You got healthier kids, healthier athletes, more kids playing. Um, you know, you may notice your, your win, your success goes up because there's fewer kids sitting on the bench injured. Wonderful information there and guidance from Mike Humple, Humple Chiropractic. You can find them at humplechiro.com. Give them a call at 319-325-3558. And they are located at 1295 Jordan Street, Suite 6B in North Liberty, Iowa, 52317.